In 2018, in 2008, 15 years ago, I ran my very first marathon. Uh, running a marathon for me was a bucket list item. It was something that I'd wanted to do for a long time. I worked and I trained, and then finally the day came when I would run 26.2 miles. The marathon is one of the most iconic athletic events, and perhaps one of the most difficult athletic events as well. So the day of the marathon, as you can see, was beautiful. The sun was shining, the weather was warm. Uh, there were these raucous crowds lining the streets to propel all the runners forward. Um, there is a sense of excitement that hung in the air. And so needless to say, when I crossed that finish line, I was euphoric. I was totally blissed out. Um, I mean, I had just accomplished something that seemed nearly impossible for me and something that very few people would, will even consider doing. I mean, I did, I completed, I finished something that most people wouldn't even want to do or think about doing. I was so happy and I was so proud of myself. Uh, now, if you've never been at the finish line of a big race like that, let me just say that the scene is incredible. It is an out-and-out party. Uh, they, there are tired, relieved, and delighted runners. There are shouts of joy and clapping hands. There are crowds cheering. Uh, there's music blaring. Uh, there is food and drink and joyful reunions between runners and loved ones. It is an all-out party. Well, I stayed at the party for a while, but then I went back to my hotel just a few blocks away from the finish line. I, I showered and I changed. I pounded a massive cheeseburger and then I napped. I laid down to nap. And when I awoke from my nap just a couple of hours later, I felt this urge to go back to the finish line. It was still uh, mid-afternoon, and, and I think I just wanted to savor the moment. You know, I wanted to revel in it all just a little while longer, to, to linger and not let the moment pass too quickly. And so I put on my shoes, and I walked back a couple blocks to where the finish line was. And when I got there, the scene was very different. Uh, there was no music, no crowds, no cheering, no party. Um, just a few people were there, most of them crew members, cleaning up, tearing things down, and putting them away. But nearby, just kind of off in, uh, to the side, I saw a small handful of people who were just hanging out. They were waiting, and they were looking off in the distance. And they seemed kind of curious to me. I was interested, so I walked over to them to see what was going on. Um, and when I joined, I realized why they were waiting there was a runner coming down the home stretch. He was the last runner in the entire pack, and he was arriving at the finish line just at that moment. Everything was gone. Uh, the cheering crowds, the music, the food. There was just one lone runner coming down the way, the home stretch, and a handful of people were waiting for him there at the finish. And when he came to the end, of course, there's no tape to run through, no, no line to cross over. Um, and, and I wanted him to feel supported and congratulated. You know, I love what Andrew said before, um, because the running community is typically a very for you community. 
Um, even if uh, there are perfect strangers all around you who are running, you are for them, you support them, you cheer them, you encourage them. And I wanted this last runner in the whole race to feel congratulated. So I went over to welcome him and congratulate him. And it was then that I realized what was going on and who he was. He is Dean Karnatzes. Dean Karnatzes, in case you don't know, is an ultra marathoner. He's a professional athlete sponsored by top brands, absolutely one-of-a-kind athlete, just a, a beast on the field, an athletic freak. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he ran 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. Okay, that's Dean Karnatzes. And on that day in 2008, he ran not just one marathon, but two. He ran the marathon course not just once, but twice on the same day, back to back. Dean Karnatze started at the same time as all the other runners, but instead of running the marathon course once and stopping like everyone else, he ran the marathon course again. And I was catching him at the end of his second lap. So talk about a humbling experience for me. I mean, here I am, I'm so content and so happy and proud of myself and just maybe a little self-congratulatory. And then here comes Dean Karnatzes, who did what I did only twice in the same day, back to back. And guys, he didn't even look winded. I mean, he got there to the spot and he just kind of looked around here and, and, you know, there's no party or finish line. He's like, is this it? Is, is this the end? And his friends were like, yeah, this is the end. He's like, okay, great. The man didn't even look winded. Friends, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and today we are in Philippians chapter 3, in which the Apostle Paul writes this. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Here in the book of Philippians, to describe the Christian way of life, Paul uses a metaphor, the metaphor of a race. And it's a common metaphor, one that's been used by others and one that he himself has used in other letters. For example, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Games, sport, athletics, races. This is a common metaphor for the Apostle Paul. I mean, I haven't done like an exhaustive search or study, but just off the top of my head, I know that he has used this metaphor in at least three different letters, Philippians, 1 Corinthians, and in his letters to Timothy as well. This is a fairly common metaphor for Paul. It's something that he really likes to use. And when he does, he always uses the words prize, crown, or joy. My joy, my crown, my prize. According to Paul, all of the personal discipline and sacrifice that marks the Christian life 
serves a greater end. We do it for a reason and a purpose, and that reason and purpose is to receive some prize, some treasure, some medal. Now, when I ran my marathon, I received a prize. Here it is. It has some weight to it. It's got a little gleam. It's nice and shiny. It probably doesn't have any real value, but it's valuable to me. Countless runners run to get a prize. Uh, whether it's a medal like this or whether it's just a special memory, they run to get something of value, something of worth, something treasured, something greatly desired. They go through all sorts of things. They subject themselves. They sacrifice things. They do all of this to obtain or achieve the prize. They train many times per week, running miles upon miles. They adjust their diet, their sleep, their calendars, their social lives, their work lives. They wake early in the morning. They run in the heat. They run in the cold. They run over hills. Sometimes they even incur injury. Injury is a known risk and accepted as part of the price that must be paid to reach the goal and achieve the prize. So whether it's a medal like this or just a special memory that one keeps, runners run to get a prize, something of value and worth, some treasure. And everything else, at least for a time, at least for a season, becomes less important than the prize. Uh, I stopped running marathons eight years ago when my first child came into my life because my prize was no longer stuff like this. My prize was my children, my son and my daughter, my family, my wife, and time with them. That is the greater prize for me right now. At least for a time, at least for a season, staying out late when you're training for a marathon is less important than the prize. Eating that unhealthy food that you so want to eat is less important than the prize. Uh, going out with friends is less important than the prize. Staying in bed under a warm blanket is less important than the prize. Sitting on the couch and binge watching a show is less important than the prize. The prize subordinates all else and orders one's entire life. Nothing is more important to the, to the runner than the prize. And in the writings of Paul, whether in Philippians, 1 Corinthians, or letters to Timothy, the prize is God in Jesus Christ. Christ himself is the prize. He's our greatest treasure, our ultimate desire, our highest value and deepest joy. He's the one that makes our hearts sing. He is the object of our affections, the one that we love and adore, who makes all else seem less, less important, less valuable, less worthy. Compared to him, all else, even the good things that we might list in our lives, seem like nothing. 
This is what Paul says. In fact, he says this in Philippians chapter 3. Whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. For Paul, and for us as well, the reason we run the race of life is to know Christ and to make him known to others more and more with each passing day. For Paul and for us, the reason we run the race of life is to know Christ and to make him known. Christ himself, to know him, to have him, to gain a little bit more of him, uh, to be one with him, is the reason we as Christians run the race of life. Uh, Here is a quote from theologian Jonathan Edwards. He says, The redeemed have all their objective good in God. God himself is the great good, which they are brought to the possession and enjoyment of by redemption. And now listen to the language he uses when he talks about God. He is the highest good, the sum of all that good which Christ purchased. God is the inheritance, the net worth of the saints. He is the portion of their souls. God is their wealth and treasure, their food, their life, their dwelling place, their ornament and diadem, and their everlasting honor and glory. They have none in heaven but God. He is the great good, which the redeemed are received to at death, and which they are to rise to at the end of the world. Of course, my friends, running the race of life and crossing the finish line isn't easy. No, it is hard, day by day. There is injury, there is sacrifice, there are times when we stumble, and there are times when we will fall. But it is then, and it is there, that we will find that someone comes to meet us, to be by our side, and to pick us up. In the summer of 1992, the Olympic Games were held in the city of Barcelona. Now, something interesting about these games was that this was the first time that professional basketball athletes were allowed to compete at the Olympics. And so at this Olympics, we had faces uh, like the faces of Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And these athletes arrived at Barcelona as established global superstars. But when we look back on the 92 Summer Games now, the most famous face wasn't any of their faces. It was the face of someone else. There was a runner from Great Britain named Derek Redmond. Derek Redmond was Great Britain's great hope for gold. He was a brilliant runner. And that summer, he was living up to all the hype. 
He ran the 400-meter sprint, which is one of the marquee events in track and field. You know, there's the 100, the 200, and his event, the 400. And he recorded the fastest time of the first round. He was literally setting the pace for the field. And now it was time for the semifinal heat. So the runners took their positions in the blocks. 65,000 people are in the stands, are in their seats in the bleachers, just watching the track. And bang, the pistol goes off and the runners start. In the blink of an eye, it's a very quick event, in the blink of an eye, 10 meters and 20 meters pass. And then 30 and 40 meters pass, and Derek Redmond is running like a gazelle. He is leading the pack. He hit his stride, took an early lead, and other runners could only see his back. But then suddenly, pop. Derek Redmond falls to the track. He crumbles in a heap, and the entire stadium gasps. Derek Redmond tore his hamstring, a very painful injury. And as he lay injured, all the other runners ran right past him, lying on the track, clutching his hamstring. He could only watch as the other runners broke the tape at the end. And his Olympic dream, his dreams of gold, were over. Derek Redmond, the runner in first place, suddenly found himself in last place. His dream was over. He cried out in pain, in physical pain, yes, of course, but also because his dream, the prize that he had for so many years, was no more. Tears began to stream down his face. But after a minute, he got this determined look on his face. And Derek Redmond rose to his feet. He decided that he was going to finish that race, injured or not. He was going to cross the finish line. Race officials tried to keep him still so that they could give him some medical attention, but he would have none of it. He wanted to finish the race. And so he stood up gingerly and moved forward. And then the most incredible thing happened. From high up in the stands, from high up in the bleachers, a man left his seat and made his way through the crowd with a look of determination on his face. This man swam through a sea of people until he got down to the track. And when he got to the track, he began to sprint toward Derek Redmond. Race officials tried to keep the man away, but the man would have none of it. He barged through them and carried on until he got to the side of the injured runner. And when he did, he looked at that runner, Derek Redmond, and he said, son, my son, from high up in the stands, from his seat in the bleachers, Jim Redmond, father of Derek Redmond, had made his way to his son's side. He put his son's arm over his shoulder and little by little, Jim and Derek began moving toward the finish line. Bravely, slowly, step by step, they went down the track together. The crowd rose to its feet, all 65,000 people, and they cheered louder than they had for anyone else. The crowd was willing father and son down the home stretch. Derek Redmond was determined to finish that race and with the help of his father, finish the race he did. Together, they crossed that finish line.
And just like that marathon in 2008, it was the race where no one remembered who finished first. It was the race where everyone remembered who finished last. Sisters and brothers, take a look at this. This is what God has done for us, for you and for me and for the world. Together, we are running the human race of life. And man, is it tough. Christ himself is our highest goal, pulling us forward, heavenward. He is our aim, our reason, our purpose, our trophy, our joy, our crown, our prize. He is the great good toward which and for which we run. And when the hardship comes, when we stumble and when we fall, as I do on a daily and hourly basis, I find that there is one who leaves his place high up in heaven, who comes down to meet me, to put my arms around him and his arms around me and to carry me to the end. He comes down to the track to be with us, to pick us up and to carry us to the end. See what manner of love that God has for us, that we would be called children of God. And indeed, behold, that is what we are, children of God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that in this race of life, in the human race, when we stumble and fall, you come toward us. You do not remain far away. You're not distanced, but you draw near. We thank you that nothing will stop you from being with us, that you are determined to be God with us and for us. We thank you that you lift us up and carry us on our way. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to make you and your son Jesus and the Holy Spirit with you together our highest goal, our aim, our greatest good, our deepest joy, our love, our trophy, our crown, our prize. May you be our all in all. For this we pray in your holy name. Amen.